This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Ladies, uh, welcome to another class over here. We are discussing, still discussing Ben Zoma's Mishnah, famous Mishnah. Ezu Chacham, who is wise, a person who learns from other people. Ah, uh, right. David Amelach says in Psalm number 119, I learn from all wise people. Ezu Gibor, who is strong. Who is strong? A person who co- uh, controls their own inclination. A person who controls themselves, their desires. Shneemar, as it says, Shlomo Merach says, King Solomon says in Mishle, uh, Mishle 16, It's good to be controlled one's anger than being mighty. You see people go work out in the gym, and they're very strong. You see the muscles ripped. And they can't control their tempers. They come home and they start screaming and shouting. That's not good. Not good. So true strength is control, self-control, controlling one's temper. Moshe miloked ish. A person who can control the inclination is greater than a person who can control a city. And who is rich? A person who is happy what they have. Shneemar, a beautiful verse. This is a verse in Psalms 128. David King David. You will, you will eat through the work of your hands. You would eat through the work of your hands. It's very important to go to work. A person should go to work. And a person who is successful and, and is self-sufficient, that is the key. The key is to be self-sufficient, not to rely on other people. A person should be independent. When we teach our children, we have to teach our children to be self-supporting and self-sufficient independent. That's, that's, uh, that's a good trait. David <clears throat> says, Praised is it for you and good is it for you. So the question is, what's the double language? You're praised and it's good for you. Why double language? So the Mishnah says, Praise the you in this world, and it'll be good for you in the next world as well. The person who earns their living through honest uh, work is good for them in this world, good for them in the next world. So I just want to talk about today, just complete this Mishnah. So I don't understand. If you work in this world, it's good for you for the next world too? Yes. In other words, honest labor. The person is honest. Self-supporting and honest, they're not depending on other people, they're not ripping off other people, they're not stealing. It's good for you in the next world as well. You're doing mitzvot. So it's a mitzvah to be self-sufficient. People don't realize that. It's a mitzvah to be self-sufficient, not to bother other people, not to be a burden on other people. That's what we're saying. That's one of the the biggest brachot. The biggest blessing God gives a person is, you're independent, you're self-sufficient. Baruch Hashem, person goes to work, and is self-sufficient, doesn't owe anyone anything. It's a very big bracha. It's a very big bracha. So today I want to talk about, this is Rabbi Riet, he says a beautiful thing. Who is a rich man who is happy what he has? So he says, Ashir stands for Enaim. If you can see with your eyes, Ashir. Shin stands for Shinaim, your teeth. Ayinaim, Shinaim. Yud stands for Yadaim. If you can move your hands, you're, you're, you're very rich. Resh stands for Raglaim. Enaim, Shinaim, Yadaim, Raglaim, Ashir. So I want to go talk about today the wonders of the human body. The person going to thank Hashem every day that we have brains. And people don't realize how good their brains are. People don't realize. Your brain is better than the biggest computer. Your brain itself is a computer. It can store 15 trillion separate pieces of information. I remember the old days before you had these stupid phones. You had to remember phone numbers by heart. Yes, we did. And you remember phone numbers by heart. You can remember all the phone numbers by heart. Today you rely on your phone. You don't remember anything. But in those good old days, we had no phone numbers. We remember addresses. Imagine, how would you navigate across town without GPS? I don't know. 
<laughs> you had to look at the maps, you had to figure it out. It took a lot of brain power. So thank God for brains. Plus, got to understand their brains. Thank God we have to, every day we thank God for brains. 15 trillion pieces of information. And what's interesting about brains is, brains makes you work without even thinking. The body is working without you thinking. Your body is like a computer. It's working all the time. When shall I breathe? I don't even think about it. You ever think about it? No. no. Unless you're in trouble, then you know when to then breathe. You know. right. But it just brain controls everything. <clears throat> you're moving your hand. You don't even think about which muscle is moving, which muscle is not moving. It's amazing. Someone said about the, the two bones in the, in the hand. They're opposites. One side the socket, one side is the, is the entrance. And the other one is the other side. So, so you can move your hand around. It's amazing right. how God made the body. But the human brain is amazing. It has 30 billion nerve cells. The human brain has 30 billion nerve cells. All in the compact size of the human skull. Inside our, our brain, it's, it's tiny. The brain itself is small because it's not even half of the head. Right? It's inside the skull. The brain uses about 20% of the body's blood supply. Can you imagine? 20% of the blood in the burst body goes to the brain to feed oxygen to the brain. The brain uses 25% of the oxygen. So most, most of the energy, that's why the, the brain, your head is hot. You know that? Most of a person's heat escapes through his head. If it's cold, always wear a head covering. Why? Because the heat comes through the brain. Why does the heat come through the brain? Because the brain is using the most oxygen. It's working the hardest. It's like the radiator of a, of a car. Can you imagine? The brain. So the brain never sleeps. Can you imagine? You're sleeping, you're breathing, your blood is circulating. The brain is working automatically. Autopilot. The brain is your autopilot. Amazing. Think about it. Don't even think about it. What about dreams? Dreams all your brain. Your brain is working. That's, that's your subconscious in your brain. The brain works non-stop. So brain works 24-7. You don't even think about it. Right? Number two, thank God for your eyes. We say, Bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinim He gives us the ability to see. Right? Think about the eyes. The eyes are one of the most amazing creations I have in my book. The idea that when, the, when a person's born, he's not even born, forget it, he's a fetus. The nerve from the eye goes to one side, and the, bra- and the nerve from the brain goes to the other side. It's a miracle they meet. How they meet? Inside this little jelly, jelly little uh, piece of the fetus, and the brain's nerve is going this way, and the, and the eye's nerves are going this way, and they meet and they join. Amazing. All the nerve endings join. It's an amazing miracle. So the eye has the ability to transfer images to the brain through millions of fibers. There's millions of fibers between the eye and the brain. Think about it. Millions of fibers. So, you know, you have, the, uh, you have Verizon advertising their fiber, right? <laughs> and we have millions of fibers in our eyes, between our eyes and our brain. We don't advertise it. We have to advertise it. <laughs> the retina contains 137 million light receptor cells. 137 million receptor cells in the eye. 137 million. 130 million shaped like rods which detect black and white vision, and 7 million like cones for color vision. So it's 130 million for black and white, and thank God for 7 million for color. Some people can't see color, they're colorblind. That's because 7 million cones don't work. Amazing. So Hashem gave us the gift of seeing in color. It's a mirror. Thank God. Imagine. See a blue table over here. I can see gold over here. I can see you know, white walls. I can... Amazing. Baruch Hashem. The eye is continuously bathed in a soothing antiseptic perspiration. You think about it. Some people have dry eyes. It's terrible to have dry eyes. It itches you all the time. So, thank God for this. We have this mucus over there that keeps the, bla- the, the eyes lubricated. It's amazing. Miracle. 
And the eyelashes, they keep out all the sand, the person walking around, and all the dirt coming into the eyes. It's amazing. It's the fastest reflex in the human body is eyelids. Eyelids blink. It's a blink. The eye functions as an information gathering machine. It's a spy. That's why Torah says, Lo taturu Don't go after your heart and your eyes. The same word is used for the spies. It's in the same parasha as the spies. Which parasha is that quickly? Shalach lecha. Shalach lecha. Anashim. So there's the spies. It says, Latur et Eretz Israel to, to, uh, Latur et Eretz Canaan. To go and gather information from the land of Canaan. And the Torah says, Lotaturu, don't go after your heart and your eyes. The same word is used. Don't spy out with your eyes some things we're not allowed to see. But the eyes serve as information gathering. And straight away your brain gets the information. It's amazing. As soon as you see, your brain knows straight away. It's amazing how fast. And the brain uses information. So you see a little hole in front of you, you stop walking over there. Hopefully you see it. If you don't see it, you're finished. So the eye has to see and the brain has to be able to process the information straight away. Amazing. You see people's reflexes. Sometimes they've got to bump into each other and then all of a sudden they turn. Why I see the reflex of the human body. It's amazing how fast we can reflex. And that's what pilots are taught to work straight away. Instant information. Number three, thank Hashem for your ears. Right? Without ears, we won't be able to hear what's going on. The ears lubricate themselves with the ear wax. You know, I've heard, you know, they keep talking about take out the ear wax, take out the ear wax. Ear wax is very good for you. You know that? If you take all the ear wax, you're going to have problems. Why? Because it's lubrication for the ear. So how much ear wax do you take out? The answer is as far as you can touch. Don't put in uh, those, uh, what do you call them? Q-tips. Don't put in Q-tips. It's very bad for you. We need the wax. The wax is there to trap. Slick, sticky flypaper trap to help guard against infection, keep out the insects and dust. You know that? It keeps out all the infection. Imagine you go into a swimming pool. My, my cousin, he's a big swimmer. He lost his hearing. If you take out the wax and the water goes in, it ruins your ears. So it's very important not to take out that wax. So it guards against, imagine, they have 4,000 wax glands. The ear has 4,000 wax glands. Do you think about them? No, don't think no. about it. It's automatic. The body just it works by itself without even thinking about it. Imagine, imagine the, the brain is figuring out how much wax do I need in my ear and put out some wax. <laughs> it's all automatic. And it keeps our insects, keeps our dust. Ears are equipped with walls. The, the walls, W-H-O-R-L-S. The, the, the circulation, you see the circular pattern of the, of the ear. Amazing! Allows it to gather and catch the sound waves. So the shape, is, it's amazing how Shem designed the ear to catch the sound waves. Amazing. The ears are composed of thin and resilient cartilage. Come on, this cartilage of the ear, you can sleep on top of it and it flattens. If it was made of hard material, it would crack. Hashem made a material that is very flexible. You can actually flatten it, and it turns back into its shape. Amazing, amazing. Think about it. Okay, number four. Thank Hashem for your teeth. Oh, Hashem, we have teeth, thank God. The teeth is the frame of the mouth. Without teeth, you see all the people. And they correspond, the teeth on top and three and below. It prevents the cheeks from getting bitten each time the jaws close. It's not a joke, I know. Some people, they can't help it. They, they're, they're not exactly aligned. Right. As part of the dentist, they have to look and see if they're aligned or not aligned. The front teeth are all sharp-edged to cut off pieces of food into convenient size piecing for chewing. Do you know cows don't have front teeth? you know that? No. Well, now you know. That's why you came. That's right. <laughs> they, it all goes into the back, and they, that's why they keep on chewing and chewing and chewing. 
Okay? Thank Hashem for your hands and fingers. Hands are so complex. You know, there's doctors who just specialize in hand surgery. We had a Dr. Abudi, all hand surgery. It's so complex. The hand itself is so complex. The word in Hebrew for hand is Yad. Yad. Why Yad? Yad, Gematria 14, because there are 14 bones in the hand, in the fingers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. In the fingers, there's 14 bones. So Yad comes to the word 14, 14 bones. And so it's interesting. It's a combination of hinges and levers. And in the rest of the hand, there's 30 bones altogether. 30 bones altogether. Imagine. Each about, okay, about a quarter of all the bones in the body are in the hands. Hard to imagine. A quarter of the bones in the body are in the hands. Can you believe it? Amazing. Because you can manipulate your hands like nothing else. Amazing. Without, imagine, that's the difference between a dolphin and a human being. Also, the feet have bones, a lot of bones. The feet also, yeah, sure. We're going to talk about the feet. We're going to get there. Right. <laughs> it's estimated a person uses their hands at least 25 million times throughout their lives. So 25 million times. You don't even think about using your hands. Fingers. Each finger is a different size. Making the hand similar to a toolbox. Each finger has a specific purpose. <laughs> like a toolbox. You have a toolbox in your hand. Amazing. Our fingers, our fingerprints are textured prints, allowing for a better grip. If they're not textured, everything would slip off your fingers. Imagine. Amazing, amazing. Sweat glands provide moisture for the same reason. Buttons and zippers would be difficult to maneuver without our fingers. Imagine you can't close your finger buttons. Thank God for our feet. Our feet are like Cadillacs. You say that? Or Lexus. Or whatever. Provide us with 24-hour transportation. Thank God for our feet. We can walk. Thank God. Amazing. When you arrive at your destination, you don't have to, you don't look for parking. Can you imagine? <laughs> Wherever you go, you put your feet underneath you, you sit down. <laughs> your legs tuck under us as we like to sit. You want to stand up, our feet lock into place. You can stand and stay in position. It's amazing. We have the ability to park ourselves anywhere you want. The skin of the sole of the feet is up to ten times thicker than anywhere else in the body. You know, the skin under the feet. I saw once a, a guy in the army, in the South African army. Crazy South African army. They make them walk bare feet in the jungles. I saw his feet, I couldn't believe my eyes. The cuts and the things, the thickness of the... <sighs> so anyway, the skin cannot be up to ten times as thick as the other parts of the body. Thank God for that, for protection. Thank God for the skin. The skin is an insulator to conserve body heat. It also provides air conditioning through the sweat, which evaporates from the surface of the skin to cool off the body. A piece of skin, one inch square, contains four million cells. One inch square of skin of skin, four million cells in one inch square of skin. Five yards of nerves in one inch of skin, there's five yards of nerves. We don't see these nerves. Million nerves are massive. 120 sweat glands, 20 oil glands, and 30 nerve ends. That's how you get pain. So in one inch, you have 20 nerve endings. When a break occurs in the skin, the skin will actually reunite itself. You find me a car that fixes itself. Self-fixing. The skin is self-healing. Amazing. The scientists consider this engineering feat to be even more complicated than erecting a skyscraper. The skin fixing itself is greater than even making a skyscraper. Think about that. Thank Hashem for your heart. Baruch Hashem. Heart is the lev. Lev is number 32. Lamed Bet. 32. The first letter in the Torah is? Let's go. Bet. What's the last letter of the Torah? Lamed. Lamed bet. A heart. A person's heart should be... What's the last word of the Torah? Israel. 
לעיני כל ישראל, השם משה רבינו. So לעיני כל ישראל, ישראל is למד, למד בית, your Torah should be in your heart, the Torah should be in our hearts. The heart works non-stop, hopefully, but it's right Hashem, it's always worked non-stop. Through day and night for 70 to 120 years, can you imagine that? Pump, can keep on pumping non-stop, amazing. Every day, the heart pumps blood enough for approximately 60,000 miles of blood vessels. But it should, the tower should be in your heart. Lave. That's why the first letter is bet and the and last letter is lamed. Lamed bet is live, with your heart. The Torah should be in your heart. So 60,000 miles of blood vessels every day. The blood, uh, the blood is going through 60,000 miles around your body. 60,000 miles. The heart circulates approximately 2,000 gallons of blood a day. So all the blood is going round and round. 2,000 gallons of blood, if you keep on counting how much blood goes around your body. In a, in a lifetime, it moves over 73 million gallons of blood. The heart is considered to be the strongest and hardest working of all the muscles in constant use within the body. It has its own self-generator, an automatic internal ignition system. Requires no cranking, starting, or pilot light. It has its own self-nourishment system, the coronary arteries. These supply about one-twentieth of the entire blood supply, which the heart also supplies. Amazing. Thank God for your kidneys. Oh, yes. We don't even think about these things. So the guy needs dialysis, but we, know. we never know. We should never know. The kidneys is to filter the blood and take out all the toxins from the blood. And that's how the urine comes out. The urine is all the toxins that come out of the blood from the kidneys. They're the master chemists in the human body. Although they weigh only about five ounces, they each contain within themselves an estimate of two million filtering units, which filter 450 gallons of blood. Imagine, every half hour. 450 gallons of blood in a half an hour. Filter. Amazing. They monitor the amount of sugar and salt in the body and see the balance of protein. They control potassium intake, which is necessary for the heart. It's very important to have potassium. Excuse me, Rabbi. Yes. Why, why they say they, and, and, uh, in the song that the kidneys are your advisors? That your kidneys what? Your advisors. Advisor. Don't take it literally. It's not, don't take it literally. It's not but, true. But how did they so the answer is the same thing with the heart. The heart also. We don't think with the heart. It's just all about the brain. Different parts of the brain. So one part of the brain is called the heart of the brain, one part of the brain is called the kidneys of the brain. So everything, everything is sphirot. There's ten sphirot for everything. So every part of the body has ten sphirot as well. So the heart is like the sphira of inside the brain. It's one of the sphirot in the brain. So when it talks about the kidneys, you're right. That's what it says. The kidneys are the advisors. But they're not. Don't take it literally, kidneys. So there's a spiritual kind of kidney. That's what it's talking about. The spiritual sight. Which is a spiritual kidney. Thank God for the liver. The liver converts the food into blood and distributes it all over the body. Imagine the liver converts food into blood. Imagine converting food into blood. The liver, approximately three pounds. It's the largest organ in the body. Three pounds, the liver. Its functions are so complex, it performs over 500 different jobs, the liver. 500 different jobs. It produces vitamin A, healthy for healthy vision, and the ability to overcome night blindness. Produces over 1,000 different enzymes that process all types of materials. The miracle of blood clotting. Can you imagine? Thank God we have blood clotting abilities. Can you imagine a person's bleeding and the blood doesn't clot? Then you it. Person's on uh, warfarin or coumadin. Gotta watch out. 
It depends on the liver's production of vitamin K. That's what the first thing they do when the baby's born. They put some vitamin K. So if, that's why we don't do a Brit Milah till the eighth day, because the liver doesn't work. That's why if a baby's yellow, it means the liver is not working. Therefore, the, if the liver is not working, the blood is not clotting properly. That's why we don't do Brit on a baby who has jaundice. So can you imagine, the v- vitamin K in the body is produced from the eighth day on. How the, how the, the Torah knows exactly. The earliest time you can do a Brit on a baby is eighth day. That's when the liver starts kicking in to produce vitamin K. Amazing, amazing. Thank God. So, Ezu Ashir, who is a rich man. Mabelkor is a person whose body is working well. Thank God our bodies are working. If our bodies are not working, it's trouble. Okay, that's the first Mishnah in chapter 4. It's amazing. Hashem created a pretty good body. He made an amazing system. Amazing machinery. Amazing machinery. What's the name of this book? This is Pirkei I think Pirkei Ethics of the Fathers. And then finally he says, who is honorable? A person who gives honor. And if you give honor, you you'll get honor. If you don't give honor, you treat people badly, they'll treat you badly. Very simple. If you, if you give honor, you get honor. And he quotes uh, Pasuk in Shmuel Aleph. <laughs> I honor those who honor me, and those who disgrace me, I disgrace. Okay, this is Hashem. Hashem says, Yekalu. If they disgrace me, Hashem says, they will be Yekalu. They will be light by themselves. They will be light by What's themselves. What's Yekalu? For the word Kal. Light. Light. Okay. Okay. Okay, we're moving on to Ben Azai. So, this is interesting because we have the Benz. Okay, Ben Zoma was the first Mishnah. Ben Zoma, we said there were certain students who never got smicha. They never called rabbi. And they were great. They were geniuses. He Ben Zama, how a genius he was. He was a contemporary of Rabbi Kiva. Right? Rabbi Kiva, Ben Azai, became Rabbi Kiva's son-in-law. Ben Azai. The next mission is Ben Azai. Ben Azai was also a genius. Ben Azai, can you imagine, he married his daughter after Ben Azai. He must be a genius. But again, never got smicha. Ben Azai never got smicha, even though he was a great rabbi and he gave classes, he never got smicha. He didn't want to be the rabbi. He didn't want to be called the rabbi. Don't call me rabbi. I don't want smicha. I don't want to get involved. So they called him Ben, ben Azai, the son of Azai. And Ben Zamausa, they never called him by his first name even. It's like the British system, when you go to school, they call you by your last name, they don't call you by your first name. Okay. Yeah. So Ben Azai says, Ben Azai married the daughter of Rabbi Kiva, and eventually he divorced her. He said, I can't, I don't have love in my heart for the Torah and my wife. Uh-huh. Very tragic, very tragic, very, very tragic. So uh, it was very tragic. So he, and then he started giving classes, you know, you have to get married, you have to have children, they said. There are some people who give classes and they fulfill what they say. And then there are some people who give classes, they don't fulfill what you say. You don't fulfill what you say. He said, what can I do? He says, I can't. My heart is not big enough to love a woman as well. Anyway, Ben Azai says, died. Ben Azai died, what does that mean? Died. He went off this world. He was not balanced enough to live in this world. You know, he's more spiritual than physical. He stopped eating, he stopped drinking, he didn't have his wife. He can't live like that. No one can be like Benazai. Benazai is... So he committed suicide? Not suicide, but just didn't look after himself in a physical way. He should have looked after himself better. So Benazai says, Run after a small mitzvah like you run after a big mitzvah. Now the question is, what's a small mitzvah and what's a big mitzvah? 
Anyone know what a small mitzvah is, what a big mitzvah is? So that's why you just run after So the answer is, a big mitzvah is a mitzvah where the, the reward is great. The Torah says the reward is great. What does the Torah say rewards are great? Let's go. Number one, honoring parents. Your life will be big in the land which I will give you, which the rabbi says to all the world to come. So we see honoring parents, very hard mitzvah. Honoring your parents is one of the, I know it's very hard, it's very, very hard to honor your parents the real way. It's very easy to say, I honor my parents. It's very hard to honor them the real way. Why? Because we're not talking about parents who have everything and are able to do things themselves. We're talking about parents who can't do things themselves. Honor your parents by feeding them, clothing them. Amazing. That's, it's so hard to do that. Uh, in the old days, there was no nursing homes and no AIDS. Who had to do it? Who had to look after their parents? The parents. Do yourself. Children. It's very hard for children to do that. It's very hard. I know my mother now is in the wheelchair. It's very hard to cope. It's very hard to do it. So you hire someone who will do it for you. So you do your mitzvah through a proxy. You're going to make sure your parents are well taken care of. So that's the mitzvah. Is really when they're older, when they need help, feed them, clothe them. All their needs, you do the, the needs, whatever they need. That's, it's a very hard mitzvah. It's a very tough mitzvah. So what are the other mitzvahs? And that's why the reward is so great. 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 Number two. Let's go. Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Sending away the mother bird oh, to take the eggs. Okay. Today we don't have this mitzvah because we don't see mother birds, we don't see eggs, we don't see nothing. But in those days, you would see, you'd go on the street and you'll see on the, in the forest, you'll see the baby and the mother, the mother sitting on the eggs. I want to have an omelette. <laughs> Not today. I want to have an omelette. What do I do? Sorry. i got to shoo away the mother bird. I can't take the baby and the mother at the same time. That's cruelty. It's cruelty. The Ramban says a beautiful idea. Ramban Nachmandi says... He says, because you have to respect the institution of motherhood. Right. Why is the mother still there? The mother's normally a, be- a, w- a bird sees you, they fly. Why? How can the bird then fly away? She's protecting, protecting her, her young. Yes. Now you're going to use the protection of a young against her by killing her? No. Don't take the mother and the baby at the same time. Shoo away. It's so hard to shoo the mother away. She won't go. You know that? Mm-hmm. You want to do the mitzvah? It's so hard. I come, my heart breaks. My heart breaks away, I tell you. It's very hard to do the mitzvah. Because you really got to push that bird away and it's cruel like it's very hard mitzvah to do so that's why today what they do is the hens lay eggs and there's a net over there and the egg falls right through the net you don't have to push any birds away <laughs> net, the, net, the, net, the, the egg falls through the net, net and there's a conveyor belt underneath the bird doesn't even know she lost her egg she laid an egg and she goes it's so hard to it's very hard. It's amazing instinct. The mothers have to look after the young. Amazing, amazing instinct. So Torah says, don't use it against them. Number three. Where else is long life? That's long life. Where else is long life? Having kosher weights. Having what? Just like the food has to be kosher. Weights. The weights in the store. That's how much it weighs. Honest, honest weights. Kosher weight. I call them kosher. Why? Because you talk about kosher food, but it's, it's kosher weights as well. Mm-hmm. So you go to the store and the weights are dishonest. You close down the store. Mm-hmm. It's a very important. It's a very important to have honest. The Torah says, in order to have long life, amazing. So it's a small thing. It looks like a small thing, yeah. but it's a big thing. Why? Because the guy's going to crook many people. All the all the customers. They're all being ripped, ripped off. They're all being. He's selling something which is lighter than it really is. He's saying it's one pound of meat and it's really fourteen ounces. That's how they do it. It's terrible. 
So it's a, it just looks like a small mitzvah, but it's a very big mitzvah. How do you know it's big? Because the reward is big. So when the Torah says a long reward, for example, the mitzvah of mezuzah, what does it say? Quickly. Leman You'll have long life. You and your children. From there we learn out, women have to put mezuzah. Children have to put a mezuzah. Everyone has to put mezuzah. Because everyone needs long life. So it's a very big mitzvah. It's, well, how do you know it's a big mitzvah? Because the reward is big. So any mitzvah where the reward is big is a very big mitzvah. And what about Avira? Same thing with Avira. A bad, a bad deed where, this, where the punishment is great, obviously, is a very big bad deed. Right? So where the punishment is not mentioned, then it's a smaller bad deed. So that's how we know. Some mitzvot are big, some mitzvot are small. Nevertheless, he says, but as I says, don't think. Just because it doesn't say such a big reward in the Torah, you shouldn't do the mitzvah. Run for that mitzvah like a small mitzvah, like you do for a big mitzvah. So there's a big mitzvah and a small mitzvah. But do them both equally. Do them both equally. Why do them both equally? I, listen, if my father says something, I've got to run for my father. That's a big mitzvah. There's another big mitzvah of chesed. Chesed to bury someone, bury a dead person. There's a mitzvah of being making a chatan and kala happy. The bride and groom. It's a very big mitzvah. Make chatan and kala happy. So I'll leave all the small mitzvot. I'll do the big one. That's all. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to do any small mitzvot. No. Wrong. Wrong attitude. Why? Because it's a cycle. You do one mitzvah, it leads to another mitzvah. Mitzvah, goreret mitzvah. A good deed leads to another good deed. But says, I'll leave this good deed. I'll do another mitzvah. No. Do all the good deeds. Why? Because each one leads to another. It's like climbing a ladder. So small good deeds lead to a bigger good deed. Another big deed needs a bigger deed. The person gets more opportunity to do good deeds. Mitzvah, goreret mitzvah. A good deed leads to another good deed. Avira, goreret avira. And a bad deed leads to another bad deed. For example, a person steals. And then they ask him, did you steal? No, of course not. So the stealing led to lying. And then they'll take him to court. And make him swear. And he says, he swears he didn't lie. He's taking God's name in vain. So it leads, one thing leads to another. Or kill, or murder, whatever it is. So the reward of a mitzvah is? A mitzvah. A mitzvah. That's strange, no? What is the reward for a mitzvah? Mitzvah. mitzvah, mitzvah. The reward for a mitzvah is another mitzvah. What does that mean? So what Tesla says in Strife for Truth, he says, because this world is not big enough to get reward for a mitzvah. Think about it. This is hard to imagine. The reward for a mitzvah is so great that it can't fit in this physical world. What does that mean? <coughs> if you give a person billions of dollars, let's give it an example, right? The richest man in the world, what's, how old is it? 175 billion dollars, right? Yeah, agree? Give it, give it take. Give it take a few pennies. 175 billion dollars. Okay? He's just going to get divorced, so he's going to lose half his money. So he's going to have how much? He's going to have that, have that. Okay. He's still very rich, right? What can he do with it? How many cars can you drive in? How many houses can you live in? One. I have a mansion, 145 ha- rooms. How many rooms can you live in? How many rooms can you live in? person goes home. Which room shall I use tonight? <laughs> person wakes up in the morning. Which car shall I drive today? Man, think about it. A person has houses all over the world. Which, where will I go today? I have, a, I have an airplane and I have a yacht. What will I do? Go crazy. Cho- choices. The choices are there. But you're limited. A person is limited in their physicality. How many steaks can you eat a day? I don't know. Anyone here? Half. Half a steak a day. How much can you eat? So a person has all the money in the world, he can't use it. Because we're limited to how much we can eat. We're limited to how much we can shower. 
We're limited to how much we can sleep. We're limited to how much we can clothe. How many clothes do you need? So you get one suit for every day? Okay, but how, now I've got 50 suits. Now how many days? That's 50 days. Every day. And a person where I've seen women wake up. What should I wear today? It's a big deal. It's half an hour. I got these shoes that match the other shoes, and this one that, and this one that. I don't have that problem. The weather. There's a question there. Yes. If a mitzvah is hard for you to do, like had an abusive father, so honoring him is very difficult. Honoring him means move away. That's what honoring means. Honoring means if someone abuses you, you move away, but you don't do anything retaliate. That's honoring. But if he's abusing other people as well, then you have to tell the authorities. There's no mitzvah to accept abuse. Do you get more points for doing a mitzvah that's hard for you? 100%. Lefum sara agra. We're going to come to it. It's in Pirkei According to the trouble is the reward. For example, it's raining and I don't want to go to show. I'm going to get wet. When you go, you're going to get even more reward. If it's snowing, you're going to get even more reward. If it's cold outside, you get more reward. No, Yes. Like I think of that, and then I think, well, I don't want to slip on the ice. Okay, so if it's dangerous, obviously there's no mitzvah. The person's got to use their brains. That's why Hashem gave us brains. The person's got to use their brains. If it's too dangerous, I'm not talking about dangerous. I'm saying, the person knows, like I got good boots. I'm going to get there, no problem. I'm not going to fall. So it's obviously getting more rewarded the more trouble there is. Just give me an example. The more trouble there is. Your mother's a nunnik. Happens sometimes. <laughs> you get more reward. I need this, I need this. Come here, I need you. Da, 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 da. Come for me, tell me, call me. Get more reward. So it's very important to run after mitzvot. Run after mitzvot. The reward for a mitzvah is another mitzvah. Why? Because the reward for one mitzvah cannot fit in this world. Come on, think about it. How much is the reward for a mitzvah? Come on, it says the angels are very jealous of us. Think about it. How can an angel be jealous of a human being? Because we have mitzvot and they don't. They're very jealous of us. They see us. And we have to realize, every time you do a mitzvah, the mitzvah is a tremendous defense mechanism above. You just created a defense in your name above. So when they're examining your sheet over there, the mitzvah is going to stand up and argue on your behalf. He's a good man. Look, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. And Avera is the other way around. Avera is the other way around. You have accusers. A person creates the accuser in the world above. And just like there's no reward for a mitzvah in this world, so too there's no punishment for an avera in this world. If we get punishment for an avera in this world, you're very lucky. Because the punishment is also very, very great. So, schar avera, avera. And the reward for an avera is another avera. So this is a very vicious cycle we have here. Either a person has a cycle of good, or a person gets involved in a cycle of bad. So it's very important to break bad cycles and create good cycles. So a person goes from one mitzvah to another mitzvah, another mitzvah to another mitzvah, a person who goes from strength to strength will wish people. May you go from strength to strength. What does that mean? It's a pasuk. David Amalek says, If you go from strength to strength, you'll see Hashem in Zion. You'll see the Mashiach. You will see the end of days. You will see Hashem in Zion, everything all together. Ben Mikdash will be there. Why? Because you went from one strength to another strength, means one mitzvah to another mitzvah. So go from strength to strength, which is go from one mitzvah to another mitzvah. And this is the Shukhanah who brings this down. The Shukhanah says, a man who prays in the morning should go straight to a Beit Midrash. He prayed, I go and learn. Go and learn, and then you go and have your breakfast. Then you go and have breakfast, then go to work. One mitzvah followed by another mitzvah. Followed by another mitzvah. Always find a vehicle to always do good. 
So there should be no gaps in a person's life. A person says, you know what, I finished my work, I finished my this, now I just watch TV for two hours. It's a gap. Like, it's a gap where there's no good. Yeah. At the end of days, there will be no sun. Uh, I was wondering, how can food be grown without the sun? Oh, we don't know. Listen. Hmm? It says, it says, what does the God say? Right at the beginning. First day of creation. Yehi no or, let there be light. light. There's no sun. The sun was made on the fourth day of creation. There will be a different kind of different sun. kind of light. However, there it's will a different be light. Sun for a while. You don't need sun for a light. Uh, that, that's why it's not very. Because you know why? Because we won't have eyes. <laughs> We're living in a spiritual world. Because, it's a spiritual uh, world. How food can be grown without? In a spiritual world, there's no food. Sun. The food is spiritual food. But there will not be sun for a, for a long time. Okay, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You have what to eat. Do I Omer? He used to say. Do I Omer? He used to say. Ben Zuma. Okay, this is Ben Azai. Ben Azai. We continue Ben Azai. Mishnah Gimel. We're in chapter 4, Mishnah Gimel. Who are you, man? He used to say, Alti baz adam. Do not make, embarrass anyone. Do not make fun of anyone. Very important rule. Don't make fun of anyone because you never know. He says, En adam shein lo There's no such thing as a person who doesn't have their time. They make fun of the guy, make fun of the guy. It happened, it says, the Gemara says, I think it was in Tiveria, in those days, in Sipori, where it was. There was a Roman over there who was like a schnorrer. He used to go around begging and this and that. And no good, no good. And they used to make a mockery of him. Twenty years later, he comes back as the head of the town. He is now the boss. And he takes vengeance on all. Everyone who made mockery of him. He says that. Benazai says, be careful. You think you're going to mock this guy? This guy one day may be the ruler. Look at Trump. Right? Who would believe this guy is the head of the president of the United States? Oh, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. You don't know where anyone's going to be. You don't know what. So don't make a mockery of anyone. The kids we think are the worthless, those kids are going to be the top. I've seen it in schools. Yeah. I've seen it in college. I've seen it everywhere. Kids who are the ones, uh, the ones people gave up on. I was just reading, there was a, a nice article in Forbes magazine. Very nice article about this Jewish guy. Who else would it be? <laughs> who is a billionaire today. And it says, he had, I don't know, it's very strange. He grew up in Florida. His father was very abusive. Right. And he wasn't a good student. He was a terrible student. He, was, he used to sit in class, in those days, make a, a kid wear a dunce cap. Mm. Do you remember those days? Yeah. yeah. Terrible, terrible. Can you imagine sitting in a class, putting the dunce cap on him, sitting in the corner. So he's a dunce. He's the dunce of the class. Horrible thing right. to do to a kid. He's a dunce. He ran away from school. Truant. So the government is looking for him, truant. You can put him in jail for truancy. Imagine, kid, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, truant. He goes, hangs out with the Indians, he's fishing, and he's uh, on the, you know, fishing fish, and uh, hunting. And eventually, he's got a choice. Either army or jail. He joins the army. In the army, they tested his IQ. He was the top IQ. This is the guy. Eventually becomes, true story, he's right, he's alive still. He's 75 years old. His name is on all the colleges in, in Florida. He donated millions of dollars to the colleges. And uh, so what happened? He became an optometrist. And what did he do? He's not a regular optometrist. He's a scientist. The guy's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant brain. He made all the films that they coat the lenses with today. Wow. For UV light, for chromatic light. He has, he, has the, he has all the copyrights for all those films. So if you buy uh, a glasses and it says chromatic, or it says uh, UV uh, protection, mm-hmm. 
it's all his films that he discovered that he made. So he's a genius, and he had to wear a dunce cap. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how, how terrible it is that we can't even figure out who's going to be the best of the class, who'll be the worst of the class. The parents don't even realize. This kid, I, I, what does it say? It says, Even Masu Abonim, we say in the Hallel, Even Masu Abonim, the stone the builders said is disgusting will be the cornerstone of the building. The rabbi said, that's the Jewish people. The Jewish people are downtrodden. People try them and say, eventually we're going to be this cornerstone of God's building. We'll see that. But it just shows that it's impossible. Sometimes we think, David Amela, King David, his father put him in the fields. Go look after the sheep. And Shmuel comes, he's looking for the Mashiach, who's going to be the anointed. He sees the oldest son, Eliav. Eliav, handsome, tall, bright, must be the Mashiach. Shmuel says, Hashem says, don't, no Shmuel, this is not going to be Mashiach. I don't, I, dis- I despise this man. Imagine, the one that Shmuel says, handsome, tall, I despise him. He has a bad temper. <laughs> I despise him. The second one, maybe that's the Mashiach. Third one, Mashiach. No. Until he sees the youngest one. Who takes care of the sheep. And that's the one Hashem chose. So Hashem says, Adam ro'ebe and we look with our eyes, Hashem ro'ebe levav. God looks inside to the heart of the person, the purity of the person's heart. So it's impossible to know who's right, who's wrong. Only God knows what's going on. Okay. So don't disgrace any person. It's so true, right? Look at this. Who would think this kid wearing a dunce cap would build the colleges of Florida? <laughs> Be smart. <laughs> you can never knock anyone. It's a beautiful idea. There's no such thing as a person who one day will have his own time. He'll have a time where he'll be the top. So give, pay, be careful. Similarly, don't think there's garbage, this is garbage, this is garbage. Everything has a place. Tell him, you know, recycling. Look at, look at the sand. Shall we make out of sand? What do we make out of sand, guys? Glass. Glass? What else? Silicon. Silicon is used for chips. You know, chips, not the chips you buy at McDonald's, but the chips <laughs> in all, in your radio, in your computer, everything, phones, the chips are made from sand. Suppose it's sand, junk. You know, sand, that's where everything is made from, sand. So, it's very important not to disgrace anything. In God's world, everything has a purpose. David Amalek says, what's the purpose of the spider? Hashem, what's the word? What's a spider for? Where do you create spiders? So it says one day he was running away from King Saul. And he protected him. And he hears the the men of Saul. He was hiding in a cave. And he hears the men of Saul outside the cave. Where's David? He's here in the cave. And then they see a spider's web on the cave. On the covering. So he can't be here. So thank God for spiders. (laughs) So he says, God, why do you create madmen? Why do you create machuganas in the world? He got so desperate. He ran away to the Philistines. He ran away what? To the Pelishtim, to the Philistines. And uh, so, so, imagine, he was running away from King Saul. King Saul wanted to kill him. He was so desperate, he ran away to the enemy. He ran away to the Philistines. What will they do to me? They can't do worse than King Saul. And they recognized him as the one who killed Goliath. Right. And they were going to kill him. So he pretended to be mad. He started screaming, shouting, pulling his hair, spitting. And the king had a daughter who was crazy as well. Get not, I don't need that more crazy people. Get him out of here. <laughs> she said, thank God for crazy people. <laughs> so everything we don't know, there's a reason Hashem created these things. Today, it's like everyone who goes to court in America, they're all crazy. 
because that's the, that's the way of getting out, cop out. They say I'm crazy. Okay, so a very important rule: don't make fun of anything, don't mock anyone. Everything has a place, everything has a time. We don't know it right now, but eventually that person might be the top, and that thing which you denigrated that that's useless could be most important. Rabbi Levitas, we're moving on to Rabbi Levitas Ish Yavne. Rabbi Levitas came from Yavne. He says, Me'od, me'od, heve shefal ruach. Be very, very humble. That's the trouble. We, we have a big problem because our egos, we need it. A person needs an ego. You don't be trodden on by everyone. So you all need an ego. The question is, a person leaves their ego unchecked. They really believe that they're the top. A person with a very big ego, there's nothing worse than having a big ego. A person says, I'm great, I'm the greatest, there's no one else like me. I can do this, and I can do that, and I can build the world, and I can do all the dictators. They're mad, they're egocentric, very egocentric. So Rabbi Levita says, be very, very humble. Why? Because eventually, think about the future. What's going to happen in the future? It's going to be buried underground, very hard to imagine. And the worms will get him. Imagine, it's hard to, hard to imagine. You know, so he says, think about it. Where is all this greatness going to get you? Where did it get Pharaoh? Where did the greatness get Pharaoh? Guess. It's in the British Museum. <laughs> Where the whole room, I was there. A room full of Pharaohs. Think about it. All these big Pharaohs. They ruled their countries and they're lying there. I went there as a kid. I remember I went there as a kid. There was no even boxes around them. You could actually touch them. You could pull their beards. I bet the Pharaoh pulled his beard. <laughs> Today they're in glass cases. You can't touch them. But can you imagine what a smell. Phew. 20 dead pharaohs in the room. The British were the worst grave robbers in the world. The British and the French, they robbed everything. They see something nice from a country and they just take it. No question. Isn't it also bad to be too humble? Yeah, oh, so there's a limit. Obviously there's a limit. Limit is you don't want people to, to jump over you. And, and so there's a limit. Everything has a, a balance. However, it's one of the few traits he says to be very. The Ramam even brings it down. Be very, very humble. Who is the most humble person in the world? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. Anav me'od mikol adam. Who can reach his level? How did Moshe Rabbeinu get to be so humble? Yes. Because he's comparing himself to God. We compare ourselves to other people. I know more than this guy, I know more than that guy, I know more than that guy, I know more than this guy. But compared to God, what am I? So Moshe Rabbeinu was in touch with Hashem. He was to, had a conversation with God. He said, compared to God, what am I? So that kept him humble. Compared to Hashem, what are we? Who, who are we? We're, we're, Hashem is infinite and we're finite, tiny. So we're like ants. So if a person thinks about that, they'll never get humble. They'll never get proud. They should be very humble because compared to God, who are we? And that's one of the ten things we have to remember every single day. One of the ten things we remember every day, day is... He is the one who helped us to reach whatever level we reached. God is the one who gave us whatever we have. God is the one who gave us the abilities we have. And therefore, why get proud? It's not me. It's Hashem, gave me the, Hashem gave me the knowledge. Hashem gave me the ability. Hashem gave me the chance. So therefore, why do I have to take credit? That's what a humble person is. A person doesn't take credit for what they did. It's all Hashem who gave us the ability to do it. Okay, we'll stop here. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Ve'amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.